25 years on the PGA Tour and a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Jay Delsing brings you his perspective on one of the world's greatest games as a professional golfer and network broadcaster. It's the game that connects the pros and the average Joes. Brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Golf with Jay Delsing is now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, St. Louis. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I am your host, Jay Delsing, and with me is my buddy, longtime friend, Caddy, John Perlis Perley. Good morning. Good to be here with you, Jay. I've had a great week. Uh, actually, we got to play a little golf uh, together and uh, ready to go with the show. Okay, so let's just get this out. Uh-oh. You had a Pretty great experience it. this week. Yeah, I did. Tell us about uh, the first. You, you, we, we talk when we have guests on the show. We ask them about golf in their life and golf in their career yeah. and things like that. Their first golf experience, and you had a tremendous input on someone's first golf experience yeah. this week. My grandson, uh, little William, uh, six years old, uh, never really had a club in his hand before. Went on the driving range. He's like, Grandpa, I want to learn how to play a little golf. Yep. And was it fun? Of course, took videos of him, took pictures of him, everything else. You know, and again, six years old, and this is a creative kid. Loves all kinds of sports. Big time into soccer because his older brother's into soccer. His older brother's a very good player, so he's always trying to keep up. So I thought golf might be something where he can kind of do his own thing. He doesn't have to compete nonstop. So we went out just to a little driving range near the house, and it was so much fun to hit balls with him. And and I get up there, I'm thinking, I haven't given a lesson in a long time. And I'm I'm watching this thinking, how am I going to get this creative, energetic little kid to focus for more than, you Just know, generally him in the right direction yeah, in case right. he hits it, which right. might not happen. Right. But I'll tell you what. The second day, he actually hit it eight times in a row, which was thrilling. And every time he'd get it out, up in the air, he would turn around and look at me like, what the heck was that? And you could tell he just loved the way it felt yeah, and yeah. kind of the power yeah. and stuff behind it. And he missed it a lot of times, and he had... 45 different excuses why I missed That's it. That's wonderful. But, and then you're giving me a hard time because, as is my way, I gave him some structure. Oh, so yeah, I it's had like him. military. All right, left foot, right foot. <laughs> Grandpa, don't don't talk to me, son. You're doing, no, I'm just kidding. So, it was really I, good. I did good because he would say, I don't want to do it that way. So, okay, here's the deal. You yep. do it your way three times, yep. then we'll do it the way I'm suggesting yep. three times. Yep. And whether he whiffed it or, or hit it great for him, which was about 18 or 19 yards, but in the air. Who cares? Who cares? Uh, he had the best time, and I complimented awesome. him if it was a complete whiff. If he fell down, didn't fall down, we just really had a good time. And I, I buy a little bucket of balls, so I'm going to guess there's 25 balls there. And I'm thinking there's no way he's going to get through all those balls. And both times we went out there, he hit them all yeah, and wanted some more. That's awesome. It was great. I Speaking it. of great, how about this show that we got today? We're going to see Justin Hoagland visit Justin down at Golf Tech. Uh, we got a, a new edition of Whack and Chase, which is really becoming popular <laughs> it's hard to not laugh when, that, when we say that, right? <laughs> and um, talk a little bit about the FedEx Cup, but we I've got a great interview with Tony LaRusso. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, you've had some really good interviews, but maybe maybe the best so far. You know, the guy's just a Hall of Famer anyway, so we hope you folks uh, will enjoy that. Let's um, let's get down to Justin Hoagland. He is the um, uh, city manager and fellow PGA professional at Golf Tech. And don't forget, the August sale at Golf Tech up to 20% off lesson plans and programs. It is the time for their lowest prices on lessons throughout the year. Thanks for having me again, Jay. I want to talk about what's going on in August here at Golf Tech. Believe it or not, this is our biggest month of the year at Golf Tech. And the reason for that is that that our students are already prepping for the offseason and getting their game ready for next year and, and by practicing here. 
and taking lessons. And I mentioned in my prior talks about practice last week about uh, how at Golf Tech we allow our members to take both lessons and are be able and are able to practice in our uh, uh, temperature controlled bays and with the practice and the video feedback able to review their swings in slow motion frame by frame. This kind of practice is so important for improving one's game, and that's the the big reason why um, people improve so fast at Golf Tech. Now, the big reason why August is so important for us and so active for us is is because this month is our biggest sale of the year. Uh, For anyone that calls us from your radio show, uh, they're going to be eligible for up to 20% discount on lesson programs and plans for the entire month of August. So you've got to the end of the month. So we start you off with a swing evaluation and a customized plan for your game. Um, get you improve, get your, get your improvement on track really fast and over the course of weeks. Again, this is our biggest month of the of the year at Golf Tech in Clayton, De Pere, and Chesterfield locations. Your, your folks can give us a call at 314-721-GOLF. That's 314-721-4653, extension 123. All types of golfers, we welcome novice and advanced to beginner to tournament and seasoned players. We're ready to help anyone that wants to give us a call and that are serious about your game. It's a great time to get involved with Golf Tech with our lesson plans. Again, up to 20% off. Make sure to mention the Jay Delsing Radio Show to get, get in on the deal. And uh, we're, we look ready to help anyone who wants to give us a, a show. Thanks for having me again, Jay. Appreciate it. Great stuff, Justin. Thanks so much for uh, supporting the show and uh, helping people with their game. Um, okay, so we have the, the, the last full field event mm-hmm. before the playoffs. Okay, and um, whether you like the playoffs or not, I'm still trying to get comfortable with the playoffs, really. Um, I love them. I do love you, them. I do. That's I great. Like I know you're, the... you are a gigantic golf fan in terms of you watch more than I do. And, and... But I want to see the players be in different situations than yeah. they're accustomed for. I right. like to see them. That's why I like Ryder Cup, uh, President's Cup, the, the places where it's just not the same, which I still love, the robotic regular tournaments. These yep. guys have a different level of heat. There's different things going yep. on. Yep. They've got points. And I remember when it first came out, I thought there was no chance for yep. this whole concept, but I think it's taken off big time. Well, and we talked about it last week. You only get fifteen million for winning. Yeah, yeah. So, so what else? All, we do, all, what else we need to talk even about? Even these guys yeah. are excited about that. Yeah, that's right. So, um, I looked at the list on the bubble. Really, not anybody interesting. I hate to say that, my fellow professionals down there. I know it's interesting to them. They want to get in you this bet. thing and make a hell of a lot bet. more money. But I'm not going to even bring any of that up because it's not. You know, Jason Duffner was the only kind of recognizable name that was on the outside looking in, and I mean, he's okay, but... But this is also, you mentioned this in one of the last show shows about different opportunities guys have to kind of get to that next level in their careers and maybe start getting noticed, or right. more importantly, start getting more confidence in themselves. And this is one of those where one of these guys can kind of pop it and kind of get in there, yep. guys that maybe weren't normally in it, and right. let alone have a good tournament the next time and stay in there, it changes their career, Jay, because it, it builds their confidence. Well, you know how golf is, too. One of the hardest things was ever to be prepared and playing well when you need it the most, and I was, I sucked at it, let's be honest. I ah, never knew. I, I couldn't disagree I more with you. I could oh, not. Man, I don't know I could, I, You and I used to talk about when your back was up against the wall, whether it was to make a cut to keep your I card. was okay then. You, you played some. Don't sell yourself. Now, sometimes I'm a I'd... tremendous slouch. Don't sell my <laughs> judge. Don't sell yourself short. You're a tremendous slouch. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, that's going to do it for the on the range segment. Um, the on the range segment, by the way, was sponsored by golf discount. 
where St. Louis shops for all of its golf needs. Um, oh, I didn't even – I got to do this because this is kind of fun. Look uh, look up our uh, look us up on all of our social media oh, stuff because yeah. this yeah. is really important, and we care a lot about this. <laughs> well, we do care about <laughs> it. We do care about we this. I really kidding. don't know how it works. Uh, my but... Twitter feed is at Jay Delsing. My Facebook is uh, Golf with Jay Delsing and Jay Delsing Golf. And uh, my LinkedIn is just Jay Delsing. That's just too many Jay Delsings the, for me to say the, in one the sentence. The World Wide Web is flooded with Jay Delsing. I know. And then we have our Instagram account, which... What? Huh? Okay. Blah. Okay. That's going to do it for the On the Range segment. Uh, come back for that Tony LaRusa interview. This is Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Doster, Olam, and Boyle LLC are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The firm was started in January 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olam, and John Boyle, three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. The firm was founded on the shared view that success should be measured by client and community satisfaction, not profits for partner. The firm's focus is on business, real estate, corporate, finance and restructuring, and succession planning. Since its founding in 2015, Doster, Olam, and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with a combined value in excess of over $1 billion. For decades, Doster, Olam, and Boyle lawyers have been recognized as leaders in their practice areas by their peers. Doster, Olam, and Boyle, LLC. Extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. I want to welcome my newest sponsor to Golf with Jay Delsing. It's Golf Discount. Golf Discount is where St. Louis has shopped for its golf equipment since 1976. Golf Discount has been and still is locally owned. They employ the most experienced staff you'll find anywhere. There are two locations, one in South County just off of Lee May Ferry and one in O'Fallon at Highways K and N. Golf Discount fits your custom equipment to your swing using the -the state-of-the-art GC Quad Launch Monitor. This ensures that perfect fit that you're looking for. Go to Golf Discount for all your golfing needs. I want to thank Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring my show, Golf with Jay Delsing. There's 90 holes of golf at Whitmore. If you join out at Whitmore, you get privileges at the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, Golf Club of Wentzville, and all the cart fees are included in that membership. There's no food and beverage minimums and no assessments ever. They've got a great 24-hour fitness center, a large pool complex, three tennis courts, a year-round social calendar that is rocking out at Whitmore. There's kids' clubs, junior golf, junior tennis, swim team available for your children. This is a family-friendly atmosphere, a wonderful staff, and you've got to go to the golf shop and visit my friend, Bummer. He is an absolute treat. Don't forget about the golf leagues, their skin games, members' tournaments. Bummer and the staff out of Whitmore are continually running cool and fun golf events for you and your family. Visit their website at whitmoregolf.com. You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. You can find Jay online at jdelsinggolf.com. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Jay and John are here to bring you this segment we call the Front Nine. I had the privilege and the honor to sit down with Tony LaRusso. So I hope you enjoy this this uh, conversation with Hall of Fame manager Tony LaRusso. Tony, man, you know I'm a baseball geek. I just I just love the game and I had so much fun watching you 
manage even, you know, I, I remember when you were at the White Sox and then with uh, with Oakland and then had the, the great privilege of, of coming down and watching you here at the, with the Cardinals. One of the things that I wanted some of the folks to know to me that, that uh, I'd like to hear you talk about is um, you always seemed so prepared. Was that something that you learned um, as a player or coming up through the ranks? Well, I was raised in the, uh, at that time, the Kansas City A's organization. You know, I signed in the early 60s and when they went to Oakland in 68. Soon thereafter, they won three championships in a row. So there was a real good development system there. And, uh, and you know, the preparation of them that <clears throat> you had to learn the basics and the way that you made them yours, you know, that they became part of your skills were that you just pounded, pounded, pounded. So, uh you know, I had a nice understanding that to take talent and make it a skill, you had to learn and and uh, prepare it. Uh, but it took out a whole new face as a manager because, uh, you know, I was not a good player. I hadn't managed very long, and I got the White Sox situation. And I realized that what I provided our club as a leader was way short compared to you know, they had legends in the American League when I started. You know, Sparky, Billy, Earl, Whitey, Gene. You know, uh, it, it goes on and on. Uh, or, uh, so preparation became some way to close the gap. And, uh, you know, we always prepared, man. The one thing that bothered me a little bit with people talking about us preparing, but I think that you you got to distinguish that preparing is just studying for the test. The most important thing you do is taking the test. So we would take that preparation and then try to compete as hard and as well as we could. Well, and it really showed. I, I think, um, man, when you start thinking about the uh, the icons of the game that you, you know, when you were with that White Sox club, when when you were actually on the field and managing the White Sox, how much – did you learn from those other managers and watching them manage against you and watching some of the strategies that they employed? Well, that's uh, that's the one best lesson I've ever heard and learned it from J- uh, George Kissel, the great mentor and coach with the St. Louis Cardinals. My last year that I was kind of a player, I was a player coach within the Cardinal system. And so there in spring training, I learned from George that Every game you play is the best learning experience. Just review afterwards what you learned about other teams, your team, yourself, and the game, how it should be played. So learning has always been something that's been critical and still is. So one of the nice things when I got into the big leagues as a young manager, there are guys like Sparky Anderson and Chuck Tanner and you know, Billy Martin, John Magner, that really uh, Dick Williams were really open to me and I, have, I was clueless, man. I was, I was coming from nowhere. And uh, they gave me the ABCs, and then over time I realized how lucky I was, and, and, and I realized that that learning process continues. You know, Tony, one of the things that when, when I play golf and, and I come right off the golf course and, um, and you're talking about learning and reviewing what happened, uh, man, there was this – this, I needed a down period of almost an hour or so to just decompress and try to figure out what the hell I just did. Sometimes really good, oftentimes really bad. And I watch you guys have to go right in front of the media right after the game. That's got to be brutally hard. Well, I think that it's, uh, it's probably unfair. And, uh, and what happens is that everybody suffers. Uh, just like you say, you, know, you come off the golf course and you've been competing. 
I mean, your emotions are raging, you know, your your head's flat all over the place, and you need a chance to back off. So same thing when you when you manage. You know, you're competing out there against another team. you got the responsibility to put players in a position to, to succeed. So the decompression is, is, is not going to happen in 10 minutes, so you're forced to go there no more than 10 minutes. So sure enough, what happens is that sometimes, you know, you give answers that are, you know, kind of curt. You know, you're really fighting to uh, say something that, that that isn't, you know, uh, taken the wrong way by your team or by the other team. And it's just a real struggle. So I agree, man. Think of wait an hour. I think the, the your answers would be better. The fans would enjoy it more. The media would enjoy it more. Yeah, I, I can just remember sometimes coming off the golf course and having my head just swimming because I'm like, I, if you'd have given me a million bucks, I could have never hit the ball over there, you know, and I just did it when I didn't want to and or when I wanted to, you know, and, and um, yeah, that's a tough part of, of what you guys do. Tony, amazing when I sit there and look at your career, I look at your stats, you're the third most winningest manager in baseball. I, I, I grew up in a baseball family and I learned the, you know, the book and I learned to, the box scores. I learned, you know, just as a, as a fan would, did you ever in your wildest dreams, I mean, 2,728 wins, you won three world championships. You were four-time manager of the year. Five times you were runner-up manager of the year. I mean, how the hell did this evolve for you? Because, like you said, you, you weren't a great player, but you turned into such a great manager. I mean, it has to be a love for the game in there. Well, I think I was introduced to the game. I lived in Tampa, Florida, and that's a hotbed of baseball. Al Lopez, you know, the legendary catcher, manager. Was a was a hero in our area. My my, all my dad's mom's side. You know they they loved the game. So I was raised in baseball, and then I you know had some ability, and I played in high school and signed the night I graduated. So you know I had the dreams of being a star player. I just didn't make it. Uh, but I did play. You know uh, I lasted 16 years uh, and had a lot of injuries early. And thinking back later, you know I realized I had some toughness I didn't know I had. But I persevered a lot because I loved the game so much. I didn't, I didn't want to, as long as I was, you know, making a decent living and playing respectably, I didn't want to just give it up. So uh, that, when I realized I wasn't going to make it, and I started going to law school, and I got a degree. I was going to be a lawyer. Uh, I started managing just to get the, the bug off my back. You know, my wife and I didn't have kids at the time. To, to think that soon thereafter I got a big league job and, and lasted all those years was never ever in the plan. And even when I first got that job, I knew I was definitely not qualified experience-wise. And uh, fortunately, I, I worked for great people. It was Bill Vick and then Jerry Reinsdorf. I had Roland Heeman as a GM. And throughout my career, I, that was the key. I always had great owner, had great front office, and they, we always got players, and I survived. Oh, man, and players, Tony. Did you have some players in throughout your career? <laughs> Holy smokes. I, I don't even know where to start on the list and don't want to be disrespectful to anyone. Um, but, man, you had some unbelievable players. Yeah, you know what I do sometimes? I mean, I did it for years, and then I still do it from time to time, is, is I, I get my lineup card out, and, and I make out. And I, I would start with a starting lineup, right? Well, right away when you make out the starting lineup, you realize you got to you got to make out the roster of twenty five because, you know, I, I had as a as a young manager at Carlton Fisk, a great Hall of Famer. Well, you know, later on, 
in uh, St. Louis had Yadi Molina. And then we had two other really good catchers, Mike Matheny and Terry Steinbeck was in in, uh, in Oakland. So I've, I've gone, you know, first base, is it Albert, is it McGuire? I mean, this is ridiculous. You start looking at it, you know, the the, the outfielders. Uh, and and it, it, it's really, uh, it, to make the point, it, it, you know, if I put that roster out there of, you know, how we're two or three deep at, at every position, I'm talking about with great players, you see how fortunate and uh, and you get to the pitchers, the same thing. You know, there's a, we've had Cy Young winners, we've had some really good relievers. You had a great reliever like Eckersley. So it's uh, I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches. And I say, I mean, I'm so lucky. It's uh, I never take it for granted. I just I just embrace it. Man, what a roster that would be, and what a fun exercise. I would love to to uh, to to read that. So Tony, what would you say? Amongst those great players, what is the single biggest trait that you notice that you could say all those great players have? Well, the ones that are great, at some point, they realize that that everybody, literally everybody that signs has talent. Now, some are more talented than others, but they realize that talent is just, let's just what gets you signed, that you've got to develop skills. And the key to that is understanding the basics, uh, really hammering them, working on them, uh, so that you become more skillful as a, whatever it is, as a pitcher, a defender, base runner, hitter. But you, 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 you really embrace the knowledge of how to pitch or play the game. You know, the great ones, they understand. You know, when you cut it back and you're down, it's really simple. Like tonight, I mean, I'm here in Boston, Yankees against Boston. I mean, with all of the other, you know, distractions, or ex- it really is our team against their team as a score. So if you want to be a great pitcher or player, you got to know that the priority is the competition and what you can contribute to it. And then you break down that, you know, if you're a position player, man, you know, you got to defend and run bases. You got to take that bats based on whether you start a rally or finish one. If you're a pitcher, you know, you've got to do this. So it's, it's it to me. It's it's uh, getting really smart, dedicating yourself to learning your craft, you know, becoming a real craftsman. Uh, and what you bottom line is, you will see guys with less talent become much better player, more productive players, have more championships than guys with more talent that never ever get you know are clueless about how hard they had to work and how much they had to learn. Yeah, it's about heart and grit, isn't it? Well, I, I think in the end. Uh, mentally and physically toughness, mental and phys- physical toughness uh, is more important than, than talent. Yeah, you know what's interesting, Tony? Tiger Woods, I, I'm a competitive guy. I, I really am. I, I can't even hold a candle to this dude in, in just a competitive nature. He is a guy that doesn't give up on any play. He might have a, a – a three wood into a, a par four for par after hitting one out of bounds or something. And his, he's got every ounce of focus and attention. Is there anybody through the years that, that sticks out to you like that? Well, I mean, I, I actually, because of, you know, how I managed, as you said, you know, 33 years and uh, was around not just our teammates, but watched guys on the other side. I've seen that greatness, you know, uh, you know, off enough, you know, golf is a, uh, is a one-person sport, but you're playing against some great golfers. You know, in baseball, you got a team sports. You've got greatness 
on both sides that are either, you know, pitchers or position players. So uh, what Tiger has done, you know, I mean, Ricky Henderson is a base stealer, Albert Pools, you know, the Eckersley as a closer. You know, you talk about the great starters that we've had, you know, uh, Dave Stewart, Bob Welsh, Chris Carpenter, Daryl Kyle, Adam Wainwright. I mean, these guys have that same kind of, of intensity. But in the end, I think, you know, when I watch Tiger, uh, he's trying to win the tournament. And I know that, you know, the more successful you are and, and you don't have to worry about can you win enough to keep your card, you know, there's a certain luxury of that. But I, I, my, my point is what we try to teach each guy is if you want to be the most successful, you want to be the most selfish you can be, then you better hope you play on a team that wins and you better hope you contribute to it. So I, th- I think sometimes my dad always said, you know, the more distracted, complicated, confusing, simply keep it. It's it's what can you do to help win the game today? Whatever your responsibility is, be accountable for it. Some of the things that I've learned through all the years, Tony, are some of the things that I want to teach my children and, and teach anybody that wants to listen um, because that accountability and, and being responsible and, you know, working hard, those are things that, you know, were hammered into my head when I was a kid. Well, I, I can't agree with you more, you know, and uh, I think that that is the importance of sports. I mean, I know it's an entertainment and it helps you get away from real life. But if you really study what's going on team-wise or with individuals, you know, there are personal quality values that uh, that you can take into your life, you know, as a parent, as a, as a whether you're a father, mother, whether you're a, a child that's, that's trying to learn to be responsible, you, you know, Sport people that are productive and successful in sports, you know, they're they're that's their vocation, and especially when you play in a team, you know, you really try, you try to create this brotherhood, this family. So it, you know, you want to be a member of that family. There's certain respect and trust and caring that you have to demonstrate. That that carries over in, into real life. Don't go anywhere. That's got to wrap up the front nine. There's more of this Tony Larusa interview coming to you. This is Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Quick note, we just got a call from our friend Joe Sheezer at USA Mortgage. He said the rates are still below 4%, and if you mention Golf with Jay Delsing, he'll give you a discount on your closing costs. Please call him today at 314-628-2015. Are you looking for a golf training facility and PGA pros to help you out? Year-round, make sure you get to Golf Tech. They've been in St. Louis since 2007 and have three convenient locations to serve you. They've got state-of-the-art video equipment, and you can take your lesson home with you and replay it as much as you'd like. Start with a golf swing evaluation for only $125 and let a Golf Tech coach customize a game plan for you. 314-721-GOLF. You can find them online as well, golftechcom St. Louis. Play better, swing better, Golf Tech. Do you folks know about a third-generation jeweler that's been operating in the St. Louis area since 1946? Well, if you haven't heard the name Setley before, you have now. They are the premier hearts-on-fire dealer in the metropolitan region and have been for more than 20 years. What's the hearts-on-fire diamond? It is the world's most perfectly cut stone. The Setleys are knowledgeable and passionate about jewelry. They're open six days a week. They want to develop a relationship so that they can meet all of your jewelry needs. They have famous designers like Lagos, Zengani, and Simon G., just to name a few. Whether it's a hearts-on-fire diamond 
or any piece of jewelry, please visit the Sutley family. They are located at Lamp and Lantern Village on Clayton Road, just west of 141 in Town and Country. Or you can go see them at saettele.com. After 25 years on the PGA Tour, Jay Delsing takes you behind the scenes from the eyes of a pro. Now back to more golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I've got my favorite caddy buddy, John Perlis, here with me. And we are headed to the back nine. But before we get back to the uh, Tony La Russa interview, I, I've got to thank and talk about my friends at Whitmore Country Club. There's 90 holes of golf at Whitmore Country Club. If you join at Whitmore, you get access to the Links of Dardeen, Missouri Bluffs, and the Golf Club of Wentzville. And the cart fees are included in that membership. There are no food or beverage minimums. There are no assessments ever. Uh, they have a 24-hour fitness center and a large pool complex. There's three tennis courts. Year-round social calendar rocks out there. The holiday parties are legendary. There's picnics, date nights, live music, kids clubs, and much, much more for your children. Junior golf, junior tennis. There's a swim team that's available. We're talking about a family-friendly um family-centric atmosphere with a wonderful staff. And you got to go and stop in the golf shop and see Bummerberry, who's a friend of the Golf with Jay Delsing show. He's been on the show. We will have him on again. He will help you with anything you need. He's a terrific guy. Um, so reach out to Whitmore at 636-926-9622. All right, St. Louis, we've got part two of the Tony LaRussa interview. I hope you enjoy it. Tony, tell uh, everybody how important Dave Duncan was to you and your success. <laughs> That's how much time do we have, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm laughing because I just talked to him this morning for half an hour. Uh, and I tell everybody I brag on him so much that I, people, people, I know that they don't grasp his greatness because you had to watch it every day. Uh, you know, the night, you know, the, the real neat, Irony coincidence is that, you know, I signed in 1962 with the A's as a teenager. Day signed in 1963. So we've known each other, you know, for all these years. Dave had a very successful 10-year career as a catcher. You know, I was not a good player. But we were together 29 years as pitching coach manager. And he was the perfect pitching coach. I don't, you know, I don't want to disrespect anybody else because I didn't work with anybody else like that. But there wasn't one box that Dave didn't check as a pitching coach. Everything that you wanted a pitching coach to do, Dave could do it, and he did it totally to benefit the pitchers and contribute to the team. It was, you know, he never had an ego about it, uh, and he was innovative, brilliant. A lot of stuff that you see now, even some of the stuff that the formulas point out, Dave had figured out and was using to get hitters out years ago. And uh, I, it's funny, cause I just talked to him this morning, and we were talking about you know, some of the mistakes are being made today. You know, you you can pitch up too much. There's a lot of outs up. You can't stay up there. There's a lot of home runs are hit because you got the ball up now where it wasn't supposed to be. And there is something still to getting the ball down the zone with movement and then mixing in some up. So he's a genius. And uh, if I tell him that, if, if I said that to him too many times, he would hang up on me. That's how humble he is. He was one of those guys, and I just had the opportunity of meeting him a couple times, but, Tony, he was one of those guys when he spoke, you almost hung on every one of his words. You know, he, yeah, he just uh, had that sort of respect. I don't I don't know any other way to say it. 
Well, there's a couple of things to that, man. He's like EF memory commercial by EF Hutton, you know, and Dave started to speak. I mean, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't talk a lot. I mean, he's not a guy that walks around BSing people, you know, just chat, chattering. You know, he's, he's, he's pretty quiet, but he's very opinionated. You know, if you, you know, he, he pays attention. He's very smart. So when he says something, uh, he's going to select what he says, and it's going to be well thought of, and it's going to be well articulated. So uh, that was part of his greatness as a coach. I mean, his ability to, uh, you know, have pitchers respect and trust him, and he knew how much he cared for them. He definitely had their back. I'm actually surprised, Tony, that more pitchers even today don't go. Maybe they are, and we just don't hear about them. I try to read anything I can about the game, but more pitchers that are struggling don't go see him or, or even call you because how many times did you bring guys that were kind of thought to be on the their last leg or on the scrap heap and they came to St. Louis? You think of Woody Williams, you think of Weaver, you think of those guys, and they, they just absolutely invigorated their career. Yeah, it's, it's – it's, you know, somebody ought to write a book about it because what he does, has done is just amazing. Uh, uh, I, I think some of it, you know, when you're out of – of, out of the limelight, you're not, you know, you don't get as much attention, you know. So Dave, 2011, when I quit, he quit, and then he now he stays. He's been an advisor of the Diamondbacks. Now he advises the uh, Chicago White Sox, so he'll study pitching and and make make his contribution. But if you're not down there active, you know, you know people kind of forget you. And uh, one of the problems now, the specific problem is that there's there's so much emphasis on the formulas and, and, and uh, using analytics. And Dave was one of master of that, but he's a master of combining and balancing traditional uh, analysis, you know, observational analysis with some of the new uh, pieces of information percentages that you get. But there is a tendency nowadays to, you know, I think, I got to say this carefully because people misunderstand me, I think the, the mathematics, the the analytics are very important but they must be balanced with traditional if you give them if you exaggerate their importance then you won't be as good as you could be it's so interesting tony because situationally the way that i was brought up in the game and the way i learned the game i see these guys come up to to the plate you know the last of the ninth inning and they got the shift on and they're one more than one run down and the entire left side of the infield is open and i see them just ripping line you know, two hoppers out into right center where the whole infield is when you're one down. I mean, my dad would have said, if you don't lay down a bunt and get something down the left side of the field, you're not going to play. Well, I mean, you know, we talk about that. I mean, I'm not coming back. I'm past that baton, but I think that's one rate and one place where managers need to take charge because, you know, a single to start a rally that's hit to the open spot in the shift it's just like hitting a line drive single. And and to allow teams to take that part of the field away from you is just not smart. But here's the problem. More and more owners are hiring executives who believe more in the numbers and don't have the background in strategy and, and, and adjusting. You know, part of what you learn over the years, you learn how to teach, how to coach, how to tweak, how to adjust to, you know, if one day, you know, Jay's not hitting, 
you know, he's drawing the ball, you know, and if you're a spectator, you know, you better be, you better watch his pull side, you know, I'm going to go to the other side of the course. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's lost. You know, not, it, it's almost totally lost, but it's just frowned upon a lot of the young managers and I can't blame them because if I had, if I had an opportunity to go, maybe I do blame them a little bit. Uh, I, you know, they're getting their jobs because they, they're going to, they're going to take the information and use it. And it's unfortunately, it's, it's really not good for baseball because the game is so dynamic down the field that front officers should understand that the managers and the co- and the coaching staff have to be able to adjust whatever information you know what the expectation was. The reality is going to be different quite often. Well, Tony, it's happening in golf now. You know because Tiger's come out and because the money has exploded in our sport. All of these we have analytics now, and I'd say every one of these tour players travels around with a little small. It looks like a laptop. It's called a flight scope or a track man. Mm-hmm. But I, I watch these guys go out and play, and it's like this is a stick in a ball game still. How the hell do you analyze something like that? No, no. What it does, it just, like, yeah, the best thing is whether it's golf or, you know, you know what, what's your swing speed, you know, what or what's the, the speed of the ball coming off the club? What's the speed of the, of the ball coming off the bat? Well, you have a high speed. Yours is not so high. Okay, so you tell the guy, hey, your, your speed's not high. Enough. Say, okay, that's I got that. But how do how do I get it faster? You know, that's coaching. You know, how, right. you know what am I doing that can increase my bat speed? And, and I that's that's the part that uh, is is in many cases missing today, because there, when you have a number that reflects a player, because maybe it's his defensive metric. Well, that, you, that isn't necessarily who he is. That says who he is right now, but you can improve. If he's not going to his left. You can coach him to go better to his left. See, so it's a balance. And if you exaggerate one over the other, then then you know if you if you ignore the analytics and you and you just rely on the traditional, you know you're you're missing an asset. But uh, there's a lot of great stuff with tradition, man. It's uh, you know we call it observational analytics. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and you, you, you see and you analyze. We got Paul Gold, Goldschmidt now, who is an exceptional player. I loved watching him play when he was uh, in the D-backs. And how much better him at first base makes our overall infield defense is just ridiculous. And it never gets mentioned. Yeah, it's, it's one of those places, you know, I mean, traditionally, if first base, you want you want to have somebody produce a lot of runs. And if he just plays okay defense. And yeah, you know, I don't, I don't doubt that you know every, every every lineup needs run producers. So maybe you play them in third, first base, or left field, or something. But if you have a first baseman that's a defensive plus, uh, the, the confidence in the guys throwing the ball that way it makes them throw it away less because they just let it go. They know Goldie's going to catch it, and the way he maneuvers, especially in the National League with their bunts, you know he can come in and make plays for the advanced base. Uh, he's a great defender. He's a great base runner. He's a great person, and I'm, I'm so pleased uh, that you know he's you know, he's gotten hot lately, and he's helped that team get back in contention. There's so many um, analogies, Tony, with with baseball and golf, and talk about all these analytics. But then at the the bottom line, you mentioned this earlier. It goes back to score. It goes back to I shot 73. You shot 72. You beat me. Yeah, I mean. One guy's more fairways, and the other guy beats him by a score because the guy lost strokes around the green, you know. And I mean, 
same thing. You can uh, one team gets 12 hits and scores two runs because they're, you know, they never put the hits back to back. You know, they they they're basically just swinging from their butts. The other team got eight hits and scores four because they started a rally, moved the guy around, got him in. You know, so there's there's a place for everything. What you don't want to do is neglect anything. You want make 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 sure everything is part of your of the way you compete. Man, this is fun. I could talk to you all day. I just want to ask you one last thing. What would you say the best thing a manager can do for a team and then also for a player? Well, that's a great question. Uh, well, I would say I pick best because that's the one most important. But you, if, if, if this is all you can do, then you're limited because, you know, the manager has a lot of responsibilities and it takes a lot of things. But the number one thing I, I believe nowadays is is you have to have the ability to get through to each player, make, bring them together as a team, and motivate them to practice so that they learn their crafts and play the game to win competitively as a team, you know, sacrificing each other for the total good and bring them together as a true brotherhood. I think, and that starts with, uh, winning the frame of mind game. You, I think the number one, your number one chore is to get into the minds of the guys, get them excited, excited for the right reason, doing the right things. But as I mentioned at the beginning, if, if all you can do is get them excited to play and then you don't know how, what to do with them once they're excited, then, uh, then you know, you're not going to be good enough either. But if you've got a great mind about strategy and nobody wants to play for you, nobody hustles, you know, you're going to get beaten more often. Man, that's awesome. Well, I really can't thank you enough for taking the time. Um, it's a thrill for me. I could sit here and talk baseball with you all day long. I still hear the fire in your voice, and I know you're 74 years old, and <laughs> you 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 got to miss the game. But I, I know you're you're doing stuff with Boston right now. I just wish you all the best. Well, I enjoyed it, man. Thanks for the opportunity, man. I just I I, I could have got I could have talked not not that Tony could have talked to me that long, but I could have talked to him for hours. It was a great interview. It's part of your other passion, baseball, and I know you're a huge uh, Tony La Russa fan. It was a lot of fun. Okay, so, so Pearl, the thing I, I'm so excited to talk about this, the thing that jumps out to me about him, the very first thing is the passion. Here's a guy, 74 years old. He's working for his second team since he left the Cardinals, started with the D-backs. Now he's up in doing a special assignments for the Red Sox. But the guy is still plugged in and still so passionate about this game. You can just tell. I, I, I loved the early part, too, when he talked about his passion, how he got his law degree and he was kind of looking to be out of baseball, but there was, a, there was just a tug and he just had to kind of jump in there and take that opportunity to be a coach, even though he said he wasn't ready, et cetera, et cetera. And to your point, all the way to today, he's still out there after everything he's accomplished. And what did he say about creating lineups in his spare time? Oh, what, my, what was that? that was one of my favorite parts because he's, I, I said, man, Tony, what about these great rosters of players that, that played on you know clubs that you managed and he, he said yeah Jay sometimes I get a lineup card out and you know I have to fill out the full 24 man roster I mean who does that but that's crazy passion that's I know. so I mean he, he pointed out from the beginning of his career yep. middle of his career obviously he had it because he was there all the time and he just talked about that dedication that preparation on and on and then towards the end of his career, and who knows how many more years this guy can go with all the energy he's got, but he's still doing those kind of things. And 
And the other part that shows me the passion of the game, look at all the changes in the game. He talked about the stats, etc., but he's still in there. Before we go to that, how about how Frankie was when he said, I got this job. I was young. Mm, I shouldn't job, have got yeah. it. My first job. Yeah. That's the White Sox. Mm-hmm. And how he basically got his ass kicked by these legends of the game, Sparky Anderson, Dick Williams, John McNamara. Well, I he mean, got kicked by him, but he's also saying he learned from them. And, and if there was consistency, with it, which there was in the things he was saying, is being prepared, preparing yourself for the test, the yep. game, but also learning all along the way from these people. So, yeah, while he was getting his butt kicked, he, w- he was smart enough to learn from it. Yeah, right, absolutely. Okay, so let's get back to your point that you were making about he made a huge um, comment about analytics mm. and your gut. And I swear today, you know, when I see these players come up to the to to the plate, their team is down by more than a run. The defense has a shift on, and so the entire left side or right side of the infield is open. And if you look, if I'd sign off if you could hit a two-run home run with nobody on, but you can't. And so the fact that you're swinging way into the defense, the way they're playing, you thinking, I mean. It makes no sense at all. And Tony said, that's why the manager needs to step in. I love that. And you're the baseball wonk guy. But what about the analogy? Because we've got our golf show here. What about the analogy between all the stats nowadays, which there weren't near as many when you played, especially early. Right. Towards the end of your career, they would give you the sheets, which is kind of cool. But sometimes you got to talk about that because there's a ton of information that you could have from the tour. But, man, you still have to play the game. You still have to have that feel that that gut innate build on the game we talked about that in the interview i said these guys are are every guy on tour now is traveling around pearl with these um flight scopes and these launch monitors you know these um oh gosh i'm forgetting the name um uh anyway you know how we are in this show somewhere close somewhere with the spin rates yeah but but that's what that's my point you you click the screen and we're talking about launch angle Dispersion spin, uh, ball speed, club speed, all of this stuff. And it's, it's at the end of the day, it's about your score. What'd you shoot? Yeah. You know, so there's it's a piece. there's got to be a, a blend. Yep. There's got to be a blend. And, and he talked really eloquently about that blend. And you can see, again, the passion there. If you're just going to go off to stats in baseball, and I would say if you're just going to go off to stats in golf, you're missing a big, big part of the game and probably the part that puts you – up amongst the top, top people. Okay, and my favorite part, how about his talks about what, I asked him what were the characteristics of the folks that played great, that were the greatest players. And he talked about knowing your craft and working your craft and understanding what to do and understanding situational baseball. All the sort of things in golf where, you know, we talked about this with my career. I was extremely marginal early in my career with my short game. It was either really good or really bad. My dad used to say it was either penthouse or outhouse, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated. <laughs> Thanks, I, Dad, for pointing that out. That, that made it clear. Yeah, you what are you trying to say, say Dad? What good. are you trying you to say? You say that to you when you're actually on the golf course and you wait till you're done. And uh, Oh, he, he might have said it on the course. And, and the other thing is those, <laughs> were, not the, those were not the exact words no, he used. I think we know that. Okay. All right, so, so <laughs> we're, clear, pretty straightforward. we're clear on that. Um but um, until I identified that weakness and that need, how do you know? And unfortunately for me, it was 10 years in, you know, five, 10 years into my career. Instead of being something I learned in college, 
when you could have helped me in college. Yeah. I, I think there, again, the analogy, and you know me, I like to kind of relate things back to business as well. I, I, every business guy I ask when I said, what's the difference? When did you make it? What happened? I kind of asked the question, how important are the idiosyncrasies, the finer points, that kind of underneath information that you can really only get when you've been in the game for a while? Every single time I ask that question of a guy or a lady, they come back with the same thing. It's imperative. It's everything. It's the distinguishing thing between the, quote, obvious things that are out there. Yeah, we all want to hit a 300 yards. Right. But what do we do under these conditions? What do we do under these pressures? So I think I loved when he had that answer. It's those little finer points. That's why he kept saying, know their craft. The people that really know their craft know all the idiosyncrasies, and I think that transcends baseball, golf, business across the board. And it's hard work. It's hard work. It's working on the small things. One of the things that I learned about golf was I was really pretty damn good at the bigger things, and I sucked at some of the smaller stuff. Yeah. No, on and off. You could have disagreed with me. <laughs> you could have absolutely well, disagreed with I, well, me. Well, I'm not sure Man. your point would have been made. Any if I you guys do radio you. out there? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. Bro. I, I, no, it is so true. I mean, and it, once those became apparent, it was so glaring. But to that point, they're not always apparent because you want to go back to something else. You want to try to hang on to something else. But I think when he says learn your craft, who has the courage and the awareness to dig into those little specific yep, things to right say, on. how am I going to do it? Because some of you are thinking, especially out on tour, how are you going to hit some of those chips? How are you going to handle some of that? It's tough. It's another whole part of the game. It is. And, uh, man, it's everything. And those little, you know, Vince Lombardi had the coolest line when he was talking to his players uh, when he was um, coaching the Green Bay Packers. He said, the outcome of a football game is going to hinge on one or two plays Every single game, John. Yeah, could not agree more. But he goes, fellas, the problem is we don't know if it's the opening kickoff or if it's the last Hail Mary. So we have to be present and we have to be there for every single play from the opening kickoff to the end of the game because we don't know when that play's coming. And, uh, man, I took some plays off. But knowing your craft, wouldn't you say ladder in your your career in particular? Did you say ladder? Ladder. Ladder. Later. Later. Later in your career. Later. I got late a ladder in, in the car. Late in your career. God dang it. I'm trying to make a point here. Late in your career. Couldn't you sometimes identify when that shot was, when that time was in the round in the tournament? Without question. No question. There was I, no, it I it, it ran that. me over a little bit. I know you liked it, but you weren't hitting it. I was like, this oh, is pretty I'm important. I had some of that, too. Not I know. Just, I'm just but kidding. But see, the fun yeah. part was... It, it was kind of neat to say, well, this is it. Yep. This, this is it. And yep. there might be another That's, shot, but this yep. this shot, if this doesn't get pulled off, yep. it ain't going to happen No, it right doesn't here. matter. And it was kind of cool because that, at least for me, took a long time to really develop what that was. And, yep. and it gives you a different sense of planning it and executing. You know, that's going to do it for the back nine. Uh, stick around. We're going to the 19th hole. This is golf. What are we with, doing in the 19th hole, Jay? We got a little whack and chase yeah, coming up. Baby. That's called in the radio business, Pearl, because we are in the radio business. Foreshadowing? Uh, no. no. <laughs> Meat? What is that called? That's a tease right oh, there. So, oh, uh, can Pearly call it foreshadowing? You can call and we whatever get a, you want. No, yeah. that's, that's more literary. I'm uh, sorry. I got ahead of myself. And, uh, <laughs> come back. This is 101 ESPN and Golf with Jay Delsing.
Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. Prost! Golf Discount is where St. Louis has shopped for all of its golf equipment needs since 1976. There are two locations in town, one in South County just off of Lee May Ferry and one in O'Fallon at Highways K and N. Golf Discount is and always will be locally owned. They employ the most experienced golf staff you'll find anywhere in town. And if you're looking to get yourself some custom fit equipment, go to Golf Discount. They use the GC Quad Launch Monitor. This ensures you will always get the perfect fit you're looking for. Visit Golf Discount today. It's time for the 19th hole on Golf with Jay Delsing. The 19th hole is brought to you by Mike Duffy's Pub and Grill. Mike Duffy's Pub and Grill, the best burgers in town since 1986. Mike Duffy's Pub and Grill, the best burgers in town since 1986. Hey, thanks for staying with us. We just finished 18 holes, and we are headed to our favorite part of the day, the 19th hole. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Jay Delsing is here. My buddy Pearly is with me. And uh, Pearly, Mike Duffy's a great partner of the show, our official 19th hole, um, August 23rd from 5 to 7 or later. Yes. We've been known to stay a little later. You got a happy hour at the Richmond Heights store. We're going to have some games. We're you showed a, me the one game tonight. What do you think fun. about it? I, I, think it's, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we got a little chip. How far is the chip going to be? That's oh, I'm thinking question. 10, 12 feet, 12, yeah. And we'll move in as we go? Yeah, exactly. Good. Okay, Maybe okay. one foot. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to have games. We're going to have beer prizes. We're going to, yeah. So, guys, come come visit us at Mike Duffy's on the 23rd of August from 5 to 7 at the Richmond Heights store. Um, all right. Wagon Chase. Wagon Chase. Wagon Chase. Pearly, let's go. Why don't you take us into this Wagon Chase segment? Well, it's just, it's my favorite segment. Who do we have, Meat? The phones will not stop ringing, guys. Diane is our latest on Whack and Chase. Hey, Diane, thank you for calling uh, us here at Whack and Chase. How are you doing tonight? Hi, how are you this evening? How are you doing, I'm Diane? Doing good. Uh, where are you from? I'm from uh, Cabri, Illinois. You from where? Wow. What's, what's the name? Cabri. Where's that? Where's that uh, relation to it's, what? Chicago. Everybody knows where Chicago is. Where is it from everywhere. Chicago? It's a couple hours south. It's between Kentucky and Pontiac. So small farming community? Very small farming community. All right. All right. Well, perfect. Perfect. How long have you... Well, actually, the first question is, what do you want Jay to help you with in your golf game? That's where we got to start. I cannot putt worth a darn. So I need a lot of help in my putting. Okay. We uh, we can take a look at that. Uh, what sort of handicap do you have, Diane? Diane, what sort of handicap usually- do you have? She's asking somebody oh, what her I'm handicap sorry. is. Give I'm her a second sorry. for crying out loud. Her handicap, first handicap is she doesn't know what her handicap is. Because <laughs> I don't golf enough. I have, grand, I have seven grandkids. That's where I spend my time. Oh, but good I'm, for you. Oh, wonderful. And golf a little bit. And, you know, if I could improve a little bit, I'd probably golf more. What are the ages? Give us the age range on your uh, on your grandkids. Um, eight years old to eight months old. Wow, good for you. That keeps you busy, I bet. Get those kids Very out busy. on the golf course, Diane. It'll and be a cluster, but it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> and when you're when you're playing golf, who are you playing with? Usually my husband. There's the handicap right that there. That is your handicap. But right if you had told us that, whomever that man so, is, we would have said, 
We're sorry. I don't care what the number is. I don't care what the number is. Eight grandkids, not a handicap, a cool thing, but clearly a deterrent to great golf. Yep. And a husband that she's playing with all the time, which is a deterrent to great golf and is a handicap. I don't know if we can put that on the kids. I mean, Diane, can we say eight kids is a deterrent to playing great golf? Well, yeah, it's a distraction. Uh, no. No, no, it's just like there's that, gra- there's that grandma that's not going to say anything bad, no matter what, about the kids. I no knew kid, it. What a, what a great concept, grandkids. I don't have any yet, but I can't right. wait because you can just return them. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's almost like a rental. It's like, this is awesome. I got I got, I got, got a bunch of them myself, and they do. are a ton of fun. I've got a little one uh, with us right uh, this week, and just he's just so much fun, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Good. And he, as a matter of fact, he said for the first time, he said, Grandpa, we're passing a driving range on the way to the house. And he says, Grandpa, can we go hit some golf balls? I about melted right on the spot. I'm like, absolutely. Oh, you can buy him a set of clothes oh, right on the way. Way. I know I'm you are. I know you are. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so you want some help with the putter. So give us yeah. a little bit of feedback. So you're out there putting. You're playing with your husband. Uh, is it is it just little putts, long putts, all putts? Give us a little bit of kind of feedback what all happens putts. and how you're feeling in your gut when you're putting. Yeah, all putts, problem, anything. Um, I can't keep my wrist from breaking. Um, I don't think I read a green very well either. Well, the, the the one thing is, you know, you don't get to play a lot. Those things, the, the stuff you're talking about, Diane, it's not like the most normal motion of, uh, the, to make a, a, a stroke or to try to putt a ball. And reading a green is a nuance. You know, it comes with... Um, a little more time. I mean, do you like the idea of playing golf? Do you like being outside? You like, you know, yeah. is that something that appeals to you? So if you if you could putt a little better, you might you might want to play more. I think we would go out and play more. Well, Jay, just yeah. talk to her a little bit. You've got a great thing you help people with, and it's just like the bucket of water yep. this concept to yep. help Diane yep. be able to have a sense of reading putts. Right. So, Diane, basically, you want to try to find the high point on the green. And sometimes that's easier said than done with the way they design some of these damn greens now. There's there's bumps and mounds and things like that everywhere. But if if you're in a quadrant you know, sometimes you'll have these these crazy sloping greens that go all over the place. If you're in the quadrant where the flagstick is, you want to look. Someone told me when I was a kid, I've always remembered this, that if I had a bucket of water and I poured it on the ground, which way would the water trail? Which way would the water run out? And that always helped me to find the low point. So generally speaking, that ball's going towards that low point, you know, some way or another. Now, depending on where the the hole is, you know, some you might you might be underneath a hole and you're going to be going straight up the the hill. That's going to make that putt a lot slower, right? Yeah. And then going yeah. down the hill, you know, it's going to make it much faster. And then the side, you know, depending on how far on the left or the right of it are, you know, it's going to make it break that way. It's so funny when you just explain that to Diane. I'm playing in a Canadian tour event, I don't know, 30 years ago or something, up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Our, and, our buddy Bernie Fernando <laughs> from Saskatchewan. Exactly, yep. exactly. And I'm playing, I'm playing very well, and I'm playing with this guy who's playing well. And he gets up on this hole, Diane, he kind of ran into what you ran into. All of a sudden, he couldn't read the green. So his first putt was uphill, and he got it like halfway there. Then he hit it really hard the next time and got it like three feet by. And then the next one, it's like somehow he didn't know it was downhill, and he hit it and went like eight feet by. And he just yells out. This is how much pressure and kind of golf can make you go crazy. He yells out, the fast ones are downhill, and the slow ones are uphill. And we all looking at him like, well, that's true. Well, yeah, that's yeah. a good place well, to start. Well, why don't you think about that? Yeah. But, yeah, it can, it can drive you a little bit crazy. But the bucket, so just wherever you see that water, if you could in your mind's eye 
see that water flow, that's going to get a sense of whether you got an uphill, a downhill, a side hill, that type of thing. But it's a really good visual and kind of give you a feel for it. Here's what something else people do all the time, Diane. They'll hit their first putt, and let's say it'll be downhill and be really, really fast. Okay, and they'll knock it yeah. past the hole. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, the next one comes back is halfway. But hell, of course it is because it's back up the hill. You know, it's yeah, it's one of those things. It's all that. situational. But a couple of tips on your putting. Don't worry as much about breaking your wrist. You do want to kind of keep them together. You do want to feel like you rock a triangle that starts with your right and your left shoulder, and the the fulcrum point is down where your hands are holding the putter. But the bigger thing is don't move your body from the waist down, Diane. That'll take out a huge amount of hit that you have in the putt. We want to rock and use those hips as you're hitting your driver and your your irons and things like that. But with your putter, you don't want that. You just want it to be kept still. And be fair. fair. My husband tells me that, and I just don't get it. But with you telling me, I think I got it. Oh, oh man, I might have go. to get your husband's number and give him a little trouble about that, even though we don't know him. I like that. I like that idea. And, but and that, if, if there's any possible way to the next couple times, respectfully tune him out. Don't really okay. listen to him. Oh, I gotta right? tell you, I okay. gotta tell you. So, Diane, I grew up as a caddy up in North North St. Louis, and the worst days of working at the shop was the husband-wife tournaments mm. because there were fights. You could tell. People are coming in. The ones that played well are happy. <laughs> you know, maybe they had a glass of wine. The other ones were like, one gets out on her side of the cart, he gets out on his side of the cart, and they're walking separate ways. We were laughing. You know, we were we were teenagers. But it's just a not, it's not an easy mix to have your husband try to coach you, especially, yeah. and I don't know if this is the case for you, but half the husbands aren't worth a damn either. Yeah, yeah. You know, they don't necessarily putt well. Yeah. (laughs) There she is. She's so nice. He kind of is. Well, that's perfect. That's nice that you say that. That's why you're happily married and playing golf together. So that's a good start right off the bat. Well, hopefully that helped you, Uh, Diana. It was an awful lot of fun talking to you. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling in, Diana. Enjoy those grandkids. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Uh, Diane, what a cool lady. Our grandkids, she kind of snuck that into the story. And uh, playing with your husband and that dance, uh, she handles it very, very well. I think her whole game gets better the more she can kind of separate some of that uh, side coaching. Yeah, yep. Uh, it's great stuff. The Wacken Chase is becoming popular. Uh, Diane, again, thanks for um, calling in. And, you know, man, the show flew by. Probably that's going to wrap up the 19th hole. We... Uh, we made it through another show. Love it. Absolutely love it. It was fun. Me, thanks so much for working the board for us and trying to keep us on track. That is not an easy job. Um, this is Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN and Hit em Straight, St. Louis. That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime... You can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com as well as at jdelsinggolf.com. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. Don't miss our weekend special. Save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed plus free home delivery when you add a base. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music 
and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.